Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm so glad to be here. I feel like the Lord has already spoken to my heart. And, uh, and I want to share with you the things that I feel like God uh, has for us. And I want to begin by, as Pastor Don was just talking and sharing, and he brought this question to us, I felt like the Lord dropped an answer from heaven right into my heart. Right into my heart. And the answer kind of goes like this. Do you have a little piece of that? Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. I'm talking about brownies, y'all. Like a warm and chewy hug filled with milk out from the jug. Jesus at the center of it all. There you go. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I felt like the Lord just dropped that in my heart. So listen, I, I, I have something else to share with you this morning. It's the beginning of the new year. I know I just appreciated so much Pastor David's word last week. So good. And, uh, and I've got, I've got uh, uh, another help for you uh, at, at the beginning of, of, uh, of this week, this month, and this year. I, I received a text. I want to share it with you. It says, I stepped on the scale this morning. And the weight of God's glory must have already been on it. Because there ain't no way I gained this much weight in my sleep. Ain't it like God to just rest on us? (laughs) Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about fasting and prayer. And I I want to begin by talking about the voice of God. I want to begin by talking about the voice of God. And there there are numerous times throughout my life when I know that God has spoken clearly and specifically to me. And sometimes people ask and they wonder, you know, what is it like when God speaks to you? I've At times, God has spoken to me in such a strong and powerful way that when I was sharing it with people, I had someone ask me one time, wow, Pastor Paul, was that audible? Did God speak audibly to you? And I remember I answered, I said, no, it wasn't audible. It was louder than that. And I... I, I, I don't know how else to describe that or explain it, but there are times when the voice of God, impressions in your heart and, 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 the, and just thoughts that God brings to your mind that line up with his word that are just so strong and so powerful that there's no question about the origin, about where it comes from. And I remember one time when the Lord spoke to my heart in a powerful, powerful way. It was September the 26th, 1989. And uh, nine years before that, I was much younger than I was even in 1989. Uh, in 1980, I was playing racquetball, and uh, because I was young and immortal, uh, I didn't wear uh, eye protection. And I, uh, in the midst of the game, which I was winning, just as a little side note, uh, I got hit right smack in the eye. I mean, right dead center, fit right between those two bones, that ball compressed, and I was in excruciating pain. It hurt really, really bad. Uh, I lost my vision uh, in that eye for uh, some minutes. Uh, it slowly began to come back. I went to the doctor, and the doctor looked in my eye. He said, things are really just kind of a mess in there. There's all kinds of things moving around, floating around. He said, I'm going to give you some... Uh, some medicine, try and calm things down. I want to see you tomorrow. So uh, he saw me the next, um, probably the next five or six days in a row. He wanted to check on me every day. I went back every day. And then I remember it was about the sixth, the sixth day. He saw me over the weekend, even on a Saturday and a Sunday, wanted me to come to his office. And, uh, 
and, and I, the, the last time that, uh, that he examined my eye, he was looking in my eye and, you know, had the, the machine there. And he says, I just, I don't understand. We've been a number of days and it seems like everything should have calmed down. And your eye is still, still very active. There's all kinds of things moving around inside your eye. And I, I remember responding to him. I said, well, that really is something because you're looking in the wrong eye. And, uh, and that was when we realized this was really a very fortunate accident. Uh, what he had been seeing in my eye that he thought was from the injury was not from an injury at all. Uh, I had won the lottery as far as genetics is concerned and was blessed to have a degenerative eye condition and my eyes were literally falling apart on the inside. Uh, they didn't really know what to do with me. They sent me to some specialists, and I began to see uh, doctors at the LSU Eye Center in New Orleans and then at Tulane, and uh, they were just so fascinated with everything that was going on in my eyes while they were telling me that I was going blind. Uh, they took pictures of my eyes and my parents' eyes. My grandparents were alive at that time, wrote us up and put us in a medical journal so people could study it. And, and I was on a regimen of medications that I can only describe as uh, uh, pretty hellish. Uh, a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort for a, a good while. I was very photophobic. I was, I mean, light of any kind would just, it felt like knives going through my eyes. And they were giving me these, these medicines and finally got to the point where the doctor said, we're going to have to do surgery. And um, so I didn't know a whole lot uh, about eye surgery, and unfortunately they began to tell me uh, what was involved in eye surgery. I had, this was not my first time going through surgery. I'd been through surgeries before. I'd had a motorcycle accident and, and then some, some repair uh, from that injury a year later. But this was the first time that anybody had messed with my eyes. And, and it just, uh, I'm just being honest with you, it completely freaked me out. Uh, I was never a person who was bothered by blood and guts. Uh, one of my uh, uh, restorative surgeries. They had to put together uh, tendons in, uh, and ligaments in my wrist that had been broken from the accident, and they were going to give me a general anesthetic, and I asked the doctor if they could just give me a local so I could stay awake and watch, and the doctor said, sure, I'll do that, and they gave me a local, and I watched them while they operated on my wrist. So that did not bother me, but I could not get over the idea of them cutting on my eyes. And then, then they upped the game and said, just so you'll know, we can't put you to sleep when we do this. You have to be awake and uh, we will deaden everything and we'll keep you out of pain. But I'm, <laughs> that just, that sent me over the edge. And I was so freaked out by that idea. The, the, uh, the anticipation of that only made it worse. It did not make it better. Uh, on Monday... September the 25th, we drove to uh, Tulane, and we did all of the pre-op stuff. We had a room there because the surgery was going to be early Tuesday morning. And uh, I remember I could not sleep. I prayed. I read my Bible and just really cried out to God. And I remember telling my wife, I said, if I can get past this, I will never be afraid of anything else for the rest of my life. I didn't know it then, but that was a lie. But that's how I felt. That's really, truly how I felt. And then as I'm laying there in bed praying and crying out to God, I opened my Bible and it opened up to Isaiah 41 and verse 10 and verse 13 were what God spoke to me. And this is what it says. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Very specific, my right hand. And then verse 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand. God says he's going to use his right hand. And then he tells me that he's going to hold my right hand, saying to you, Fear not. I will help you. When I read those words, it was like God was just whispering in my ear, like my daddy had just wrapped his arms around me and was when I felt the presence of God, I calmed down. I was able to close my eyes and go to sleep. 
And I felt the peace of God in a tangible way. I slept good all night. I woke up in the morning and about 97% of all that peace and comfort was gone. And I realized this is the day. It's going to happen. I got to go. I wish there was some way I could avoid it. Got to the hospital, did all the, all the pre-op stuff. They got me in the gown. I'm laying on the table. And I'm laying there like this. You know, they've got, got the sheet up over me and they got wires and monitors and everything hooked up and I can hear the heart monitor and it's going like (laughs) not quite that fast but almost but I'm just I'm freaked out again I am just freaked out and so everybody's really nice and and they're trying to they're trying to calm me down and help me and the anesthesiologist uh, was a, a real sweet lady and she rolled over to the table where I was and and here I'm laying there just like this And she reaches up underneath the sheet and she, with her right hand, she grabs my hand that's on top and it's my right hand. And she almost quotes Isaiah 41, 10 and 13. I'm right here. I know your name. It's all going to be okay. I've got your right hand. It's all going to be just fine. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And I know, I know that, you know, in surgery, drugs are involved. I understand that. But what I felt was not drugs. I felt the peace of God that just settled down on me. I have such good news for you today. I want you to know that God knows how to speak. I want you to know that God is still speaking today. That some of you who are here today who just so desperately want direction from God. I'm here to tell you God is speaking and God wants you to hear his voice. God wants to speak specifically to you in a way that is unmistakably God. He wants to communicate to you and I'm telling you it's not just for one event or one circumstance. God wants to have a conversation with you that will just continue on. And and I'm I am just so so blessed and excited to be able to tell you that God desires, that God longs, that God is not trying to tease us with this idea that, oh yeah, I said I was going to speak to you, but let me see how many hoops you can jump through before you actually hear anything. No, 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 no. He is a loving, kind, generous, benevolent Heavenly Father, and He longs to speak peace and comfort and wash away our fears with His Word. Give us direction, Correct us if if necessary so we don't wander off in the wrong direction. He is a God who loves us and knows how to communicate with his people. That is one of the greatest treasures for every Christian. And I want to just very quickly share one more instance of God speaking in a powerful way. This one was not to me personally, but it was to it was in this building, it was in this room actually, and I don't remember the exact date, I believe it was around 2010, and uh, the, the, our local National Guard was being deployed and was going overseas, and there was bad weather, they were going to have the deployment service at uh, the football stadium, but because of the inclement weather, they asked if they could have it here, and so that we said sure, and so this place was filled with all of the troops uh, that were going to be deployed and all of their families. And I mean, it was packed. It was just packed. And, and I had the opportunity to share a verse of Scripture with all of that crowd. And let me just back up a few days before that happened. Maybe it was, maybe it was a week or, or a little more than a week. One of the ladies in our church at that time precious, precious lady, loved God with all of her heart. She was concerned about her son. He was in the National Guard. He had been uh, uh, trained for a combat position and was about to be deployed with this this group that was going overseas. They were going to be in harm's way, and she was worried. He was He was not where he needed to be with the Lord. And she was so concerned. And she was, you know, you can imagine every mama's heart. Her heart's just breaking. She's crying out. And she was right down here at this pew uh, one one, uh, lunch time uh, during the week. And she's got her Bible open. And she is crying out to God for her son's safety and protection. 
She turns the page where she was reading in the book of Jeremiah. She turns the page and there is Jeremiah 31. And she had underlined part of verse uh, 16 from a previous time when she had been praying and crying out to the Lord. Now I want you to see what the Lord spoke to her. You know, sometimes people, people wonder, you know, can God speak specifically to me uh, through his word? And I want to tell you he absolutely can. Now this is what the Lord says, do not weep any longer. And that was the phrase that she had underlined. There was a time when she had just been crying out to God for her children and uh, for all of them. And as she was crying, she's just weeping. And there were, there were marks on the pages of her Bible where the tears had dropped and dried. And there were little round wrinkle spots. And, and she had underlined this because she felt like God was speaking to her that he'd heard her prayer, that he was going to move in the lives of her children, that she didn't need to weep as though she had to convince God or, or anything like that, that God was working in their lives and that she could dry up her tears now. And she saw this, line, this first line that she had underlined and it drew her attention and she read the rest of the verse. Do, uh, but now this is what the Lord says, do not weep any longer for I will reward you, says the Lord, the Lord, your children will come back to you from the distant land of the enemy. And the next verse says, there is hope for your future, says the Lord, your children will come again to their own land. And when I shared part of that story, we put that up on the screens, it was like a red carpet moment in Hollywood. It was like the paparazzi showed up. People got out their phones and their, and their cameras and man, all the flashes going off as people took pictures of that promise and they wanted to claim that for themselves. And I want you to know that God does not just speak in big generalities. But there are times when God has a rhema word for you, for your specific life, your specific situation, your specific circumstances, and, and God knows how to communicate to you and to me. And God, God is the grand communicator. Sometimes, most of the time, God uses his word to speak to me. Uh, It has not been that way 100% of the time, but when I have had other means of God speaking to me, I've always been able to confirm it in his word. And it's always agreed and lined up and it's just been amazing. And so I want to talk to you. How many of you think that's a pretty clear voice right there? Uh, that's a pretty clear voice. And, and I want you to know that God, when God speaks to you, God will speak to you in a clear voice. That God will make himself known to you. God will speak and you will sense his presence and you will know that God is speaking to you. And I'm not saying that there might not be a struggle with it. I just shared with you how I felt peace and was able to fall asleep at night. But the next morning, oh man. You know, it was, it was like, man, I'm back in the battle again. And then God reminded me of his word. And once again, that peace came. There are times when we have to come back to God's word. We've got to remember it. We've got to claim it. We've got to pray through it. And we've got to grab a hold of it. And I want you to know that God speaks. He speaks at significant times in our life. He gives us direction. He prepares us for things that are coming that we don't even know about. And I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about God's voice. In, uh, in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, it says now all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and he was praying the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my beloved son with you I am well pleased I think it's really significant that the very beginning of Jesus's ministry it it began with a voice it began with the voice of of God. And I believe that 2021 for all of us here should begin with the voice of God in our hearts. I believe not only the beginning of this year, but I, I want you to know that, that I, I think it's possible for us to hear from God every day, to receive encouragement and help and strength every single day. That God would love to speak to 
his peace and his, his wisdom and his, his direction into our hearts on a daily basis that we don't have to just wait and once a year start the year with God's voice, but it's possible for us to hear God's voice on a daily basis, to hear God's voice at the beginning of, of every plan that we make and every direction that we decide to move our life or our family in. And I think it's important for you and I to have this goal that this year I'm going to hear the voice of God. I'm going to commit myself to hearing the voice of God. And I want you to know why that is so incredibly important. It's important because there are so many competing voices out there that are vying for our attention, vying for uh, our time, and that want to speak into our lives. And the voice that we listen to determines the path that we will take. So it's important that we're hearing the right voices. There are voices around us that are telling us all kinds of things. They're telling us, turn here, turn now, turn, you know, in, in 500 feet, take a right. You know, I've got the, I even gave mine a name. I call her Destiny, and she's always telling me where to go and how to get there. And there are voices like that. There are voices that are saying, make this decision, voices that say, speak up. Voices that say, shut up. Voices that say, pretend you didn't hear what they said. Voices that say, pay very careful attention to what they said. And and competing voices can be compelling because we want to hear them. We want to hear them. And I, I want you to understand that Jesus even dealt with competing voices. He dealt with voices that were, that were speaking to him and at him all the time. His disciples were telling him one thing. His mother and his family were telling him something else. The Pharisees were telling him even something different. And I don't want to freak anybody out, but I already know something about all of you here. You all have voices in your head. All of you. You say, no, no, that's not true. The doctor said I don't have those anymore. I'm here to tell you, you still have them. You have voices in your head. And they sound like this. Some of you are super excited about 2021 and you've got goals and you've got, you've got direction and you're going to accomplish some things and you're excited about that. And then another voice speaks up and it's the first of those competing voices. It's the voice of our past. And the voice of our past will rise up and say, no, no, you're not doing that. No, you're not going to accomplish that. You're not going to reach that goal. This, this year is going to be just like all the other years. It's not going to be any different than it's ever been. It's just who you are. Things are never going to change. And I want you to know that is not the voice of God. That is not the voice of God for you. Then, then there's another competing voice. It's the voice of our own desires. Our own desires. And, and so we, we sometimes look at things and, and we know, we reason it out in our mind. This is what I need. And then the voice of my desire says, but this is what I want. This is what I should do. But this is what I want to do. This is what I shouldn't do. But I want to so bad. And then there are, there are other voices that speak another group of competing voices and it's the voices of people that we want to please people who speak into our lives and we respect them and we maybe are are in some kind of a relationship with them and we want to please them and those voices might sound like this they might sound like let me tell you what you need to do let me tell you what you should say let me tell you how you should act let me tell you how you should dress and their voices with good intentions and but they're not god's voices and all of these voices are competing for your attention for your affection and for your obedience they're all vying for the same thing now we just had we just had uh, christmas at my house and our three kids and all of our grandkids, we have eight grandkids who, if you ask me how they are, I'll tell you they're perfect. They were all at our house, and it was glorious chaos for two full days. And we ate, and then we opened presents, and then we ate some more, and we opened some more presents. And with all the kids there, it was loud, and it was noisy, and it was just loads and loads of fun. And I have learned that if I am going to hear clearly the voice of God, there's something I've got to learn to do. I've got to learn how to lower the volume on all those other competing voices. So I walked into a room 
and all the grandkids are in there, and you can imagine they're all excited. It's Christmas. There's gifts. There's food. They're, they're getting to see one another and play together, and all these things are going on, and the TV's on, and video game is on, and somebody's practicing the piano, and somebody else has a guitar, and they're trying to sing two different songs, and two or three of them are wrestling or arguing, and I walk in, and I want to tell them something, and there's the volume level is up here. And, and when I walk into the room and I want to tell them something, I can talk and nobody can hear what I'm trying to say. So the very first thing I have to do is get their attention. I've got to clap my hands. Hey, 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 everybody, listen up, listen up. Turn off the TV, put the, put the guitar down, stop playing the piano, take the headphones off. Everybody look at me, listen up. I've got something I want to say to you. So I have to first quieten all of the competing voices so they can hear what I want to speak to them. And, and once all of that other noise gets quiet, then they can hear clearly what I want to speak. Now, sometimes people say, why is it so hard to hear God's voice? Why is it so difficult to hear what God wants to say to me? Now, I want you to know it's not hard to hear God's voice. It's not mystical. It's not something that only pastors can do. Or, or people who are in full-time men. No, no, God speaks. We are born with the ability to hear the voice of God when we are born again. Just like when we are physically born, we have five senses, and hearing is one of those. We, when we are born again, we have the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They hear my, he didn't say they have to take a class and learn how. He said, they hear my voice. They will recognize me when I speak to them. They will recognize. And I want you to know God is not hiding from you, but sometimes our lives are just too full and too busy. I don't think that the inn in Bethlehem was a place that was necessarily filled with evil and wickedness, but we know from reading the scripture it was just too full. There was no room for Joseph and Mary and the soon-to-arrive baby Jesus. There was just no room. And it's like that sometimes in our hearts. There's just no room. We want to hear God, but there's so many voices, so many things going on. We have to be proactive and, and prioritize the voice of God and quieten all the other voices. How do I prioritize God's voice? Well, I want to give you the good news first. First, good news, you don't have to shave your head, put on a white robe, and go sit cross-legged in a desert somewhere, slapping on bongos and going, hmm, or anything like that. In order to prioritize the voice of God, there, there's just some very, very simple things that we need to understand. I believe in the gift of prophecy. I believe in the gift of, of tongues and interpretation. I believe in the word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. But I also believe that 99% of what God wants to speak to his people today, he has already spoken through his word. And prioritizing God's word means that I prioritize my Bible. It's not just something gathering dust on my nightstand, but I prioritize the Word of God in my life. I read it every day. I'm in it every day. I'm asking God, speak to me. Help me to hear your voice every single day. When you read in the Old Testament about Moses going up on Mount Sinai, the Bible says that he... he he climbed up Mount Sinai. He met with God there. The Lord spoke to him. He took God's words and wrote them on tablets of stone. And then he came down the mountain. Listen to me. He brought the voice of God in written form to the nation of Israel. He brought the voice of God in written form to the nation of Israel. Of Israel, and, and I just want you to know that th that's what this is. This is the voice of God. When you read the Bible, it will help you to, to understand what the voice of God sounds like. You will, you will hear God speak. You'll hear the Holy Spirit uh, speak to your heart and, and give you thoughts and, and communicate with you. There are, there are habits that help us with that. And I would suggest if you are uh, at that place in 
2021 and you want to have some new habits, some good habits, that there are some great spiritual habits that we can develop, that we can put in place. In the same way that we teach our children, it's important that you bathe every day. It's important you brush your teeth every day. I believe that there are spiritual habits that are just as important as that. And here's three. I just want to give you three of them. Number one, have a quiet time with God every single day. Have a time when you are alone with God and there are no distractions. That means, that means the cell phone goes in the timeout drawer. That means the TV goes off, not just muted, off. It means that you are, you are in a place where there are no other competing voices, no other distractions. Now you're still going to, you're still going to have those things going on in your head, but God's going to help you with that. God's going to help you as you focus your attention on his word and as you ask him, God, speak to my heart. I need to hear you today. I need to hear your voice. The second thing that, that we do at, at, while we're reading, and, and it can be after or during, but we, we talk to God and then we listen for the voice of God. We talk to God and then we listen. That's what we call prayer. It's not just a monologue. It's not just me bringing a shopping list of uh, of things that I need God to do for me. Go over here and do this and do that. It's not like I don't want to get things turned around to where anyone could mistake it like I'm the boss and he's the servant. No, it's the other way around. He's the boss and I'm the servant. He's the king. He's the Lord. I am the servant. So, but I can come and I can pour my heart out to him. I can talk to him. I can tell him my cares, my concerns, my needs, my requests. I can bring those to him. And then I listen for his voice. I listen for him to speak to me in my heart or through his word. And then I think the third thing that is super, super, super important is that we worship that sometime in that in that daily quiet time that we have a time of worship and how cool is that you don't have to big have a big stereo uh, expensive stereo system you can just have a phone or or you know uh, and do they still make iPods or any, uh, those kinds of things you know it's just it's very easy to get some worship songs, put a couple of them on, let them, let them play, and you can spend some time worshiping God, just thanking him for who he is, entering into his presence. The Bible tells us we enter his presence with thanksgiving, and we come into his courts with praise. That's the, that's the recipe, that's the instructions for how we get in that place, in God's presence. It's super important, I believe, that that you have a plan to read your Bible, that you're not just playing Bible bingo. You know what that is? That's where like, I don't know where to read. I'm not really sure. So I'm just going to, that's where I'm going to read today. That you're not just doing that, but that you have a plan to go through God's word. And there are so many. If you have version on your phone, they have plans that will take you through the Gospels, through the Psalms, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. I am a big proponent of reading all the way through the Bible every year. And that's been my practice for years and years and years. I read all the way through the Bible. And I'll give you one good reason for that. Because every word, not just the words I like, but every word, is inspired. It's God-breathed, and it's profitable. It's profitable for every area of my life. It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for correction, for reproof, for instruction, that the man of God, that the woman of God, that the person who's following God can be instructed and can be helped and can be prepared for the good work that God has for us. If, If the lady that I was telling you about earlier had only read in the Psalms or in the Gospels, she never would have found that promise that God had for her in Jeremiah. The Bible is filled with treasures for you and for me. It's filled with direction that I desperately want for my life. It's filled with correction that I desperately need so I don't wander off chasing, you know, some crazy idea out of my own head. God loves us and wants to keep us on the, uh, the path of righteousness. So it's, it's very, very important that we that we are, are in a, a structured, systematic plan of reading through God's word. And then, you know, we, we are now here at the church. We're beginning this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we, we don't have too much problem with reading the Bible part of it. It's the fasting part that's a problem, right? It's the fasting part that 
gives us some pause. It's the, the fasting part that we're just like, oh man, do we, do we really have to talk about that? And let me just tell you what fasting is. Fasting, as you've already heard, and let me just say to you that out in the, in the back, there are a couple of pages that are, I think there's three of them here, that are stapled together and they are just incredibly helpful. There's a, there is a calendar that will help you uh, have some prayer points on it. There's some things back here that will tell you and explain to you different types of fast things that uh, are super practical and super helpful. And these are some basic steps to successful fasting and prayer by Bill Bright, who is an amazing man of God. Do not leave the church this morning without picking up one of these and taking that with you. It will be super, super, super helpful for you. So fasting is abstaining from food or other things. And we've talked about some of that. But it's abstaining from those things that take up so much of our time. When you just think about it for a minute. If your household is anything like our household, we don't just eat. We, we don't. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but we talk about what do you want to eat? What do you think we should have for lunch? What do you want for supper tonight? And we talk about, you know, well, we could have this option or that option. If you would take all of the time that we spend talking about uh, what we would like to have, what we're going to eat, and then actually preparing it, and then sitting down and eating it, and then the cleanup and everything. You've carved out a significant amount of time in the day. And so what we want to do is replace some of that time. We want to set that aside, and instead of focusing on food, we want to focus on Jesus. Instead of focusing on my flesh, I want to focus on the Lord. This fasting is a desperate, it's a it, it, it is a, a desperate thing for desperate people who live in desperate times and are desperate to see a move of God and get a word from the Lord for their lives and for their family and for their future. And ladies and gentlemen, if anybody needs a word from God uh, in our world today and especially in our country, it's, it's the people of God. We need a word from God, a, a word that will give us his peace and his comfort and his direction, a word that is not only for us, but a word that we can share with other people who are frustrated and upset and confused and and hates trying to get in the door of their heart and pollute them and God has given us the answer we still have a savior folks we're not left to our own hunches on how to deal with life we have a savior who knows how to save he knows how to deliver us fasting is one of the ways that we humble ourselves before the Lord the Bible, the Bible talks about this, you know, and, and there are promises. The, you know, the word of God says, humble yourself before the Lord, and, and at the right time, God will exalt you if I will humble myself. And there are a variety of ways to do that, and the Bible gives us some of them. You can put on sackcloth. You can put ashes on your head. That was, an, that was a, a biblical means of humbling yourself. But, uh, you know, that's... <laughs> You know, that's not where we live today, but fasting is one of the ways that we can humble ourselves before God. I'm taking the attention off of me. I'm putting my attention on the Lord. Fasting is a way of turning to God with our whole heart. With all of my heart, I'm turning to God. And this is super important. Should all Christians fast? Should everybody fast who calls themselves a Christian? I just want to tell you, Jesus makes that assumption in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you give, when you give, don't do it to be seen. He said, when you pray, don't do it just to be heard by people who are standing around you. And when you fast, don't go around telling everybody, I'm just so weak today. I haven't, I, I didn't even eat breakfast today and it's, I don't know if I can make it till lunchtime. It's just it's such a sacrifice. No, he says, don't do it to try and impress people with how holy or righteous you are or your big sacrifice for God. No, you're doing it because you can't live on bread alone. You need every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's why we're doing it because God has answers that we desperately, desperately need. And we mix with fasting, we mix prayer. And the last thing that your family needs, the la let me back up, the last thing you need or that your family needs or that our community needs is a bunch of people who are fasting without praying because that only makes you hangry. 
and nobody likes a hangry Christian. Okay, so we need to pray. We need to press in. We need to say, God, God, I'm coming here to, to, to seek your face. And, and I'm desperate to hear from you. I'm desperate for an answer from heaven. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the best time, the best time to fast and pray. And one of, the, one of the great reasons is because right now, you're not doing it alone. We're all doing it together. We're all stepping into this thing. We're all participating. We're all finding a way where we can participate in fasting and praying and seeking God. And I want you to know that the church will be open during, during the noon hour throughout the 21-day fast, Monday through Friday, not on Saturday and Sunday, but Monday through Friday, during, during the noon hour from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock. And that's a great thing because if you are close enough to get here, that's something you can do during your lunch hour instead of, instead of just, well, you know, it's just so hard, I'm just going to go ahead and eat. You can get in your car, get here, and there will be an atmosphere that is conducive to seeking God, praying, reaching out to the Lord, and other people will be here. Also, this next week, beginning tomorrow night, Every evening, starting at 6 o'clock, we're going to spend one hour seeking God for this first week of the fast in the evening. Now, 21, uh, 21 days uh, through, throughout the fast, we will we'll be meeting here at noon, uh, only Monday through Friday. But then the evening time, it'll just be this first week at 6 o'clock. And we're going to teach you how you can spend an hour in prayer. And for some people, that may seem very intimidating, very difficult. I don't think I could ever do that. And what we're going to do is divide it up into four 15-minute segments. And we're going to worship for 15 minutes. And then we're going to pray over prayer cards for 15 minutes. And that's why it's super important if you have a need or someone in your family has a need, fill out one of those prayer cards. And, and, and you can either, either leave it there on your pew or you can drop it off at the information booth. And hundreds of people will be praying throughout this, this 21 days for you and for your family and for whatever your needs are. You can make it personal. You can leave your name off. You don't have to identify who you are and you don't have to give us details about the situation if it's not necessary. You can just make it general. But the point is, people will be praying. And if you're at a place where you've thought or said to yourself, I just wish I could have some people help me pray through this thing, there's a whole bunch of people that are ready and willing and able to help you pray through this thing if they know about it. So fill out a card and and get that either to the information booth or leave it on the seat and we'll pick it up. And, and we will deal with that. So after, after praying over the cards, there will be a short devotional. And uh, I know Pastor Don's going to be sharing one night. Pastor Randy uh, Dugas will be here and be sharing one night. Uh, I'll be sharing one night. And there will be a devotional. And then we're going to have corporate prayer for 15 minutes where we all pray together. And, and I'm telling you, that is just such a powerful, powerful thing when the people of God can come and join together in corporate prayer like that. Let me just touch on three types of fast very, very quickly. I'm going to close with this. There's the normal fast, which means that we just give up food and we're only drinking liquids, okay? I'm not sure if milkshakes qualify uh, in that, but, you know, usually water or juice of some type, maybe broth of some type. And, and I want you to know the Bible talks about all different kinds of fast. It even talks about people who fasted for one day. And if you're not, if you're, if you've never fasted before, that might be a good place for you to start. You could fast one meal. You could fast one day. You could get up in the morning and you could say, you know what? I'm not going to eat again until tomorrow morning or I'm not going to eat again until after the sun goes down. But I'm just going to take this time. I'm going to seek God with everything that is in me. Here's a principle I want you to remember. I want you to grow. I want you to stretch. I want you to do something that will, that will stretch your faith. So if you've done that before, try to do something you haven't done before. Try to go a little further than what you've gone previously in the past. And ask God for help. Ask God to strengthen you and help you. So, so that, that's what we call the normal fast. And then there's a partial fast, sometimes called the Daniel fast. And that's where we give up some food, but not all food. And, and we want everyone 
to understand we, we need to use wisdom when we do this. If you're diabetic, if you're hypoglycemic, if you have some other uh, physical issue and, and it's necessary for you to have food, there's no condemnation here. There's no guilt or anything like that. You need to be wise and take in the, the food that you need to have. And you can still participate by laying off other things, maybe certain types of food or, uh, or other things that we've talked about like social media or television or or any of those kinds of things. And then finally, the third type of fast is what we would call an absolute fast. An absolute fast. When uh, Let me just read this verse of Scripture to you from Exodus 34. It says, Moses was there with the Lord. He'd gone up to the top of Mount Sinai 40 days and 40 nights. Check this out. Without eating, or, without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Moses, this is a supernatural thing. He went 40 days without eating and 40 days without drinking. And I just want to tell you, if you feel prompted to do something like that, use great caution and a lot of wisdom. Because if you try that, Moses saw God and you might see God too if you try that. So, so just be careful. Be careful with that. We, uh, we want to hear from God. And, uh, and I know that God will speak very, very clearly to you. There's two things I want you to expect. I want you to expect that as soon as you commit in your mind, in your heart, I'm going to participate. I'm going to lay off certain types of food or I'm going to, I'm going to fast a certain meal. As soon as you make that commitment, I want you to be ready for unprecedented volumes of people who are calling you up and inviting you to go out to eat with them. And they're going to pay. And they're going to go to a really nice restaurant. They want to take you out because they love you so much. And, and just be ready for that. The second thing I want you to be ready for and prepared for is God's supernatural help. The devil will be telling you, you can't do this. You've never done this before. It's not going to work out. You, you can't do it. You just cannot do this. And I want you to know that God will give you supernatural help and supernatural strength. Here's, here's what I know for sure about 2021. I know that some days will be good. I know some days will be bad. I know some days will be happy and some days will be sad. Some days you'll feel like you're by the Jordan River watching Jesus get baptized and some days you'll feel like you're in the wilderness. Some days the Holy Spirit will rest on you like a dove. Some days the devil will be in your face. But no matter what's going on, God's voice is there and God's voice will direct you and God's voice will instruct you. And I want you to also know that as we participate together through this 21 days of fasting and praying, I cannot guarantee that you will lose 30 pounds, that your teeth will be brighter, that you'll get a promotion at work, that your husband will buy you a new car. But I can promise you, I can guarantee you that at the end of this 21 days of prayer and fasting, you won't say praying and fasting for 21 days was the biggest mistake of my life. The first test comes with the wrong voice. And that voice will say in one way or another, you should just quit. You should just quit. And I want you to know that that voice is not just for our prayer and fasting time, but throughout the year, that voice will come to you. And at some point in time, you will want to quit being loving and kind, merciful and forgiving, patient. You'll want to quit being holy and pure. You may want to quit on someone. You may get to Leviticus and think, I'm going to quit reading through the Bible. This is too hard. And wanting to quit is not a sin. Wanting to quit is not a sin. The test doesn't begin until after you want to quit. And it's after you want to quit that you have the opportunity for great victory. That you have the opportunity. See, a lot of times people think the temptation is a sin. It's not. Temptation, temptation is, is not always a negative thing. Temptation is an incredible opportunity for victory. It's a, it's a great opportunity to win. And God wants to strengthen you and me. And he wants to help us to win. And I, I just want you to know that those cards, those cards, Pastor Don uh, was talking about them earlier. 
And maybe you didn't have anything that you thought of that you could write on. Maybe you do now. Maybe you just want to write on there, please pray with me that I can make it through this 21 days. I want to draw near God. I need God's help. We all do. We all do. And God will help you. I'd I'd like to ask in closing, if you would just bow your heads with me right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And, And I just want you to know that the way that we really begin all of this is first by being a part of God's family. And that happens when I commit my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I admit that I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And I make a declaration that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I'd like to pray and I'd like for anyone who's not made that commitment today, if you would like to make a commitment, start this year, 2021, knowing that you are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not talking about church membership necessarily, but I'm talking about having a relationship with Jesus, knowing that your sins are no longer held against you but your heart has been washed and clean, that God will give you new desires and the strength to follow through on them. If you want that, would you just raise your hand? I want to know who I'm praying with. Just lift your hand up real high. I see your hand there. I see that hand right back there. I see those hands. And here's what I want to ask. See your hand right here and right there. Yes, yes, yes. Real quickly, anyone else? I I don't want to take a long time here, but I don't want to miss anyone. I see those two hands. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Here's what I want us to do. Let's just all pray out loud together. Some of you for the first time, some of you remembering the first time you prayed this prayer. And let's pray together and ask Jesus to do a miracle in these hearts. Come on, let's pray together right now. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I confess that I am a sinner. I need you. I need you. I've gone places I shouldn't have gone. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I'm so sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. Give me a new heart with new desires and the power that I need to follow through on those new desires. I commit my life to you. I will no longer live for myself, but I will live for you, for better or worse, for rich or for poor, in sickness or in health, until I finally see you face to face. I love you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise.